0: Today, on It's Time. When you go through fiery trials, look for the power of God, because that's what the Bible says God will do. I hear hear the calling, It's 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 time. It's
1: time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler.
0: chapter 13 tonight, as we continue going through this great book, looking at the early church inspired, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and how using our talents and abilities for the kingdom of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, brings people to Christ. Now, we looked at this last time we were together, and we find the first, you might say, sermon that Paul gave when he went to Antioch in Poseidon. Now, what that simply is, is this. He went to the synagogue, and there he begins to speak to the Jewish people a history lesson concerning the promises of Messiah that was to come. And Paul was a tremendous bridge builder when he would communicate. And really, friends, I believe that that is a secret of communication even today. Being a bridge builder, sometimes sometimes in the political arena, you will hear people say things like, well, that politician really connected with the audience and they voted for him. Well, that's because he was a bridge builder. Now, if we're going to communicate the gospel of Christ, I believe that, again, being a bridge builder is a good thing. I believe it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that sensitizes us to where that individual is at so that we can be an effective communicator. So if you're a boss in a company, if you're an employee, no matter whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a pastor, being a good listener and a good communicator will help promote whatever it is that you have on your agenda and primarily the kingdom of heaven. Now we can take biblical principles that we learn and we can apply them to every aspect of of our life. It isn't just that we come to church on Sunday morning, get a lot of head knowledge about how spiritual things work, and then park it all in church when we leave it, uh, and go back and live the way we lived all week long. That isn't the way it works. That the power of God and His principles change the way we look at life. And this is what's so important uh, when we look at our relationship with God. And so as we look at these, how Paul was a great communicator. This is an unction, I believe, of the Holy Spirit. I don't necessarily think it's something that is taught or learned, but I will say that there's a sensitivity there, what to expect. Paul, recognizing he was talking to Jewish people in the synagogue, begins then when the, you might say, uh, the offer was made. Does anybody have anything they would like to share? Paul stands up and says, yeah, this is what I'd like to share. And beginning from the beginning, he goes through clear up to King David, which every Jewish person greatly held in admonition concerning his life and then relates to this group of people the prophecies concerning Jesus that was to come. So in other words, he took something they were aware of and then brought the gospel into it. Now, you say, why is that important? When we get into chapter 14, we're going to see that when Paul addresses the Gentiles, he does not bring in, you might say, Jewish history, but he brings in nature. Because they had no understanding of Jewish history, but they did understand nature. So, what the understanding then is this. You communicate to people where they're at. If we speak a bunch of Christianese to people that have never been church, they would just look at you and say, what are you talking about? On the other hand, if we do not speak the truth of God's word to people that maybe are in cults or whatever, then we're not going to be able to communicate to them. So I believe that it's part of the plan of God that all of us become very aware of on the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit to discern who you're speaking to and then let the Holy Spirit lead you in that communication. Let's pray. Father, tonight as we go to your word, we ask you that you would give us your wisdom, your insight, that as we study these words, we would see how Paul, by your Holy Spirit, was used by you and what we can look for in our lives that you will use us as well. And so, Father, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well again, Acts chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verse 44, where the next week Paul goes back to this place where he had presented the gospel, and the Bible says that people were eager to hear, and they looked forward to hearing the word of God. And so verse 44, it says, and the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Uh, By the way, there's because there's a God-shaped void inside everyone's heart. They hear the word of God. It's going to cause a reaction. They're going to listen, repent, or they're going to reject and fight the power of God. But when they, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and counterdicting and blasphemy, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So it appears here that when Paul comes back and tries to have a, another service that he was, you might say, heckled. You might say he was rebuffed. You might say that it was uh, probably a shouting match there in the, um, uh, the um, synagogue. So uh, very non-conducive to a great teaching environment. But friends, remember, God can use anything. And that's exactly what happened here. Paul continued to make a defense for his faith. And by the way, every one of us that are called by the name of Christ, we are going to be forced to make a defense for our faith. It may not be tomorrow, but I guarantee you it will come. There will be somebody that will ask you, why do you believe what you believe? And why do you believe it? Well, he tells us. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, speaking of the Jews. But since you reject it and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. Now, This is probably a little bit of why they were, you might say, chiding with Paul and Silas. And here's the reason why. Because there was such a prejudice against the Gentiles that anything that the Gentiles would embrace, the Jewish people would not embrace. Well, we found this to be an issue back in chapter 11 where uh, the Gentiles started getting saved. And it was almost halfway through the book of Acts before the early church realized that Gentiles could be saved too. Talk about prejudice. This is where they believed that they were so holy and set apart that they could no longer relate with the rest of the world. Now, had they really been studying their scripture, they would have recognized as they would look at the book of Jonah, for instance, that God did a great miracle there in which the whole Gentile city of Nineveh repented, which was the capital of Assyria, which was probably one of the most cruel nations in the history of mankind. And so God allowed mercy and salvation, you might say, to come to the city of Nineveh, which was a Gentile city. Why would it surprise the Jews then that Jesus would be for everybody? Well, as we look at this here, Paul then says, look, It was only right that we came to the Jews first. But since you have rejected your ticket to heaven, we're going to turn to the Gentiles. And so he says, for so the Lord commanded us, I have set you to be a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And this is in the Old Testament, Isaiah 42, where he makes this claim that God had every intention from the very beginning to include the Gentiles as well as the Jews into his bountiful plan. Well, friends, this is radical. Because for the Jewish people to think that we're going to believe, you mean <coughs> these Gentiles are going to be with us too, was really a radical thing. In fact, even when the Holy Spirit, right in the middle of Peter's sermon, back in back in mid-book of Acts... He When he goes to Jerusalem, he says, Look, I, I was doing my sermon in right in the middle. I didn't even touch him. The Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak with tongues. Because you see, by touching Gentiles, you would be considered unclean. And so this is why Peter needed the whole blanket experience. The, the sheet let down from heaven with all kinds of creeping things and unclean animals. And God said, Ride Peter, kill and eat. Well, because Peter, being a Jew, needed that divine unction from God to say, hey, God's going to open this door to everyone. Well, verse 48. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. (laughs) You can bet that. Just as, as angry as the Jews were, is just as happy as the Gentiles were saying, hey, we can be included. We're no longer going to be looked down upon by the people who claim to know God as infidels. But now we are going to be accepted by God. And they heard this, they were glad, and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many had been appointed to eternal life, believed. Now again, this is from God's perspective, friends. God ultimately knows who's going to accept him and who's going to reject him. Um, Since you and me, we don't know that, that's why Jesus said, go preach the gospel to every creature. Now there are people that take this predestined idea to... Uh, the stratosphere, you might say, in saying that, well, since those that are predestinated are gonna get saved, we won't even give altar calls in our church, cause they're just gonna magically figure it out. Well, that's exactly contrary to what the Bible teaches. Jesus himself said, go preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, go preach the gospel to the predestinated ones nor does john three sixteen say for god so loved the predestinated ones that he sent his only begotten son that the predestined ones who would believe would not perish but have everlasting life god so loved the world that means every person in the world that means whosoever would believe in him that's anyone but see from god's perspective and god's understanding friends we have to realize that god lives in all times present He's not like you and me that are fixed in one particular time and a fading memory of yesterday. God knows everything all at once, all at the same time. I don't know anybody like that, but that's the way God is. That's what made really the birth of Christ so unique that God stepped out of eternity into time and he walked with man that he created. That to me is an, an incredible thought that God who lives in all times presence was born in Bethlehem. That's in itself a pretty big thing, but that he actually transcended the immensity of time and locked himself into man's time. That's incredible. Well, those that were predestinated, yeah, God ultimately knows the decisions that every person in this world makes. Nothing takes God by surprise. Somebody might ask the question then, well, since God already knows what decisions you and me will make, why do we have to go through this zoo Call living. I believe because God's a legal God. God's a fair God. And because God's a legal and fair God, somebody might say, maybe the devil, saying, well, if that person had really lived their life, they wouldn't have chosen you, or they would have chosen you. So I believe God just simply says, okay, everybody, you're going to get to live your life. And I believe because of that, and this is why I believe the Bible says that in eternity, God will have men above the angels. Initially, he created men below the angels, but in eternity, we're going to be above the angels and was probably the very thing that caused a third of the angels in heaven to rebel against God. The devil and his angels probably didn't mind when, he heard, <laughs> when they heard that God was going to make another group of creation lower than the angels. They go, that's cool, we don't care about that. But then when God says, but someday they're going to be my bride, and in Corinthians 6... 1 Corinthians 6, it says that someday you will judge angels. I think they went, nah, we're not buying that chili. And they rebelled against God. And, uh, well, we have the fallen angels. That's what hell is all about. It was never meant for man. It's a place for the fallen angels to go. But if we want to enter into the same rebellion that they did, we get the same just reward, and that's eternal separation from God. But on the other hand, whosoever will may come, those that are... Leaning towards and wanting salvation, God grants that to them. God ultimately knows who is and who isn't going to make it. That's why I really look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You're going to have your little RSVP card there on the table. You're a big, long table in heaven. And your little card's hey, look, he knew I was coming. That's right. See, God knew. What's really sad sometimes is that we personally forget we're children of God. That's why I believe church is good. I believe that's why home fellowships are good. I believe that's why every time we can get together, because it reminds us, hey, what's really important? Because all of a sudden, I can believe, to, I can fall into the understanding that, well, what you see is what you get, and that's all there is. And I can forget that I have been chosen by God, you've been chosen by God, to spend eternity with Him. And this is a real issue that I think sometimes so many Christians forget who they are in Him. And so therefore, we begin to think like the world and unfortunately act like the world. But you're not of this world, the Bible says. You're a heavenly calling. God knows your purpose, your place in him. And so as it says here, as many had been appointed to uh, eternal life, believed. And again, God allows that appointment to whoever will accept him as Savior. The word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Now, again, whenever there's a great move of God, there's going to be a counter move of the enemy. And friends, it's not just here that we're reading about it tonight. It's in your own life as well. Whenever God endeavors to do something great in your life, there is always going to be the undercurrent to stop it. Now, why is that? Because I believe the enemy knows the potential you pose against the kingdom of darkness. So whenever you make an advance for the word of God there's going to be something that will try to stop it. And it comes in many different places in many different ways. If you're dating somebody that's not a Christian, you're going to see it immediately in that. If you are trying to advance the kingdom of God in your personal home life, you're going to find there's going to be distractions and catastrophes that you had never thought of before. That's how the enemy works. Verse 50, it says, But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and chief men in the city, which tells you that women can be as big a problem in stopping the gospel as prominent men, devout men, and chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Now, here you find that... Um, Their message was rejected. Not everybody rejected it, but the powers that be are. The Bible tells us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And we find a lot of that has worked its way into very high places. Um, And so we shouldn't be surprised when we see, oftentimes, the things we see in the political realm. In fact, as we look in the book of Daniel, we find that Michael, the angel, came to fight and would have been there sooner to come to Daniel's aid, but uh, ran into the prince of Persia. Now, did he actually fight this guy king? No, I believe it was the demonic spirit behind these world governments and world leaders. And certainly we remember Satan on the Mount of Transfiguration, or excuse me, not Transfiguration, the Mount where Jesus was tempted, Luke 4. Uh, he said to Jesus, all the kingdoms of the mind, and mind whoever I want to give them to, Jesus, if you'll bow down, and, worship me. and of course, Jesus wasn't going to worship the devil, but Jesus came to redeem the kingdoms of the world. Satan offers him a shortcut. So, you say, well, what's that? Well, again, whenever there's a great move of God, you're going to see the undercurrent. Now, you can either look at the undercurrent as woe is me and tears and all those kinds of things, or you can say, wow, I'm on the right path because the devil does not waste time on people that are not doing something for the kingdom of God. So if you're going through some trials right now, (laughs) good, you're making a mark somewhere. People say, well, you know, I just skate through this life. Well, I'm telling you, then you're probably not making much of a ruckus. Because if you're really stepping out in faith, there's going to be a counter move. We find it all the way through the book of Acts. We find it through the epistles. We find it everywhere in the Bible, even in the Old Testament. A mighty move of God in your life is going to trigger the opposition of the enemy. It always works that way. So it says, expel them from the region, verse 51. So Paul and Silas had their feelings hurt, or Paul and um, Barnabas had their feelings hurt, and they uh, went home, and they didn't do anything else. No, it doesn't say that, does it? (laughs) I've had people tell me that. Well, I went out witnessing one time, and this guy got mad at me, and started screaming at me, and I'm never going to do that again. Well... What do you expect when you bring a message of light and hope to people that are in darkness? So notice the next verse, 51. Then they shook the dust off their feet against them and came to Iconium. (laughs) Didn't stop them. They just went to the next place. Now, Jesus talked about this in uh, Matthew chapter 10. He says, if a town doesn't receive your message, shake the dust off your feet and keep walking. Don't let one or several people or a group of people stop you in your tracks what you're doing for God. They didn't. Here's a great illustration what happened. Let's look at this. They came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You see? You keep moving in the Spirit, God will keep pouring into you what you need. Just like he did with these guys. Now, something interesting at Iconium that happens... Um. Well, we'll just read. And it happened at Iconium, which was in the area of Galatia. Now, we often talk about Corinthians, okay? The town of Corinth. We talk about um, um, the Philippians, church at Philippi. We talk about Galatians, the church at Galatia. Wrong. (laughs) Why is that? Galatia or Galatians was an region. It was an area. It wasn't limited to a town like Corinthians perhaps were, or Philippians were this area of Galatians, or uh, which is different than the Ephesians again, or some of these other books that we read, this area of Galatians encompassed a large area. Well, it says here it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue. Now, again, Understand this. Why did they do that? Because it was first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And so that's what they did. To the synagogue of Jews and spoke that a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. I like this. Let's reread this. Okay, The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, poisoned their minds against them. Therefore, the disciples left. No, it doesn't say that. They stayed there a long time. Do you know what I see here is I see opposition cause those that love God to dig in their heels. Now, friends, this is a great biblical principle that we have to learn because we like it easy. But God says no. God says sometimes, like uh, when the tough gets going, those that love God dig in. They didn't leave when things got tough. They, all the more, stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now... uh Somebody asked one time, why doesn't God do miracles in the Bible, like, and why doesn't he do them today like he did in the Bible? Well, I believe that when we dig in, when we make a determination, we're going to do what God wants us to do, rather than an easy believism, skating our way to heaven, or just, you know, not uh, having any issues in our life. We don't need the power. We don't need the miracles of God. It's when you've dug in, there's clearly a dividing line between the powers of darkness and the powers of light. God says, these are my boys, these are my girls, have some power. And that's where we see the miracles of God. So when people say, well, where are the miracles of God? You know, I listen to missionaries and they tell me all the time about the power the miracles that happen overseas where they're uh, encompassed by many, many unusual forces, sometimes uh, government forces, communism, sometimes it will be voodoo and witchcraft, sometimes it will be their pagan um, religions. And this is where God empowers them to let, first of all, those around them know that God is with them, and second of all, to let you know that God is using you in that situation. So, when you go through fiery trials... Look for the power of God, because that's what the Bible says God will do.
1: Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store, or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.